Welcome to Red Carpet Rosters Podcast, your hub for film awards, fantasy advice, betting advice, some history, and the Academy Awards themselves. I am your host, John Richards of RedCarpetRosters.com, the most comprehensive film awards fantasy site on the net. First of all, I am thrilled to announce that the introductory music you just heard was written by none other than Patrick Richards exclusively for the Red Carpet Rosters Podcast. You can find him on Twitter in the show notes. I'm skipping over the normal recap of awards and film awards fantasy advice and getting straight to the betting advice. My favorite annual article of the year is from Ben Zosmer, author of the book Oscar Metrics. If you haven't read it, do so. It is a quick read and it is a fascinating read. He developed a mathematical model to predict every feature length category of the Academy Awards. Various inputs to the model, including critics' awards, guild awards, reviews, festival awards, and so on, give each nominee a probability to win. Each probability is constrained to some to 100%. A boring math talk. Because there is obviously a 100% chance of something winning. Betting lines imply probability do not follow this constraint. So comparing these probabilities to sportsbook implied probabilities can snuff out some value, even this late into the game. For many awards, it's too late to get a ton of value. Sorry about that. You have to bet early to take advantage of lines, and you don't have the benefit of Ben Zosmer's model. But anyway, when we get into Oscars betting lines, they move a lot. A central tenet of betting is to take any bet where the actual probability is more than the implied probability. Theoretically, over time, if you continue to bet where the actual probability is more, you'll come out on top. Think of it like this. If a dice is loaded to land on the six half the time and the dice roller is assuming that sixes come up a normal a sixth of the time and gives you six to one odds because of it, well, you're going to bet on six every single time because even if you lose, the other half of winning will make up for those losses. Now, this is not a hard and fast rule. This rule seems to indicate that you take the bet any time the actual probability is more than the implied probability. I'm not opposed to it, but if the actual probability is, say, 2% and the implied probability is 1%, I might not be so keen taking that. I don't really like risk of losing 98% of the time, especially since the Oscars are an annual event. Okay, enough about general strategy on betting. Let's take a look at the lines on Bovada and compare them against the probabilities that Ben Zosmer developed. Your sports book of choice may have similar lines, so just apply that logic there. Also, a link to the article uh, from Hollywood Reporter, who publishes Ben Zosmer's annual article, can be found in the show notes. One last thing before getting into the betting lines. The probabilities of Ben's model all seem pretty low, even for the favorites. A favorite could have a 40% chance of winning, which means that that favorite also has a 60% chance of losing. This easily explains why there are usually many surprises on Oscar night. Just because something is the most likely to happen does not imply that it is likely to happen at all. Uh, Try to wrap that around your head. uh. Anyway, enough stalling. Let's get to it. I calculated the implied probability and compared it against the actual probability from Ben's model. The first pick is the largest difference between actual and implied probability. And the first is hugely surprising. It comes from the best international race. I'm still predicting all quiet on the Western front to win. I mean, no one in their right mind shouldn't predict it. 
But I'm sure that sentiment was shared back when the 2006 German film The Lives of Others shocked everyone by beating multiple Oscar nominee Pan's Labyrinth. It could happen again. Ben has tabbed close with a 29.7% chance of winning. Not the favorite, but 29.7%. That's better than two coin flips both coming up heads. The Bovada betting line is paying 40 to one. Let me repeat that 40 to one, which is an infinitesimal implied probability of 2.4%. So, why is the model so high on close? Well, it's very highly reviewed. At Cannes, it was nominated for the Palme d'Or and won the Grand Prix. It won the National Board of Review for Best International Feature. It won many other film festival awards. Then again, the lives of others beat pan's labyrinth after winning the bafta for best foreign language film so close has to overcome the fact that all quiet won the bafta for not only best foreign best film anyway all quiet on the western front is going to win but 40 to 1 with an actual probability of nearly 30 percent that's worth at least half a betting unit the second pick is the only actual probability that is higher than 50 percent so better than a coin flip Kate Blanchett is Ben's favorite at 52.9% chance of winning, while Michelle Yeoh is only the betting favorite. Kate Blanchett is currently at plus 140, and it's moved just two days ago. It was at plus 120, so it's moving more into the positive territory. That's an implied probability of 42%. Blanchett and Yeoh have flip-flopped from negative to positive territory and vice versa. The model has no recency bias. And Blanchett is more decorated this season than Yo. The SAG win for Yo is not insignificant. And I took Yo before that when she was in the plus territory. It's between Blanchett and Yo. Let's be honest. So the fact that I'm making bets on both limits my upside throughout the season. But nearly guarantees that whatever happens on Oscar night, the wins will be greater than the bets. Because I took them both when they were only at plus territory. I'm officially predicting Michelle Yeoh to win, but betting on Blanchett is worth the price here. In costume design, surprisingly, Ruth E. Carter is the favorite to win, but only at 43.1%, which means she has about a 67% of losing. Conventional wisdom would dictate that Catherine Martin of Elvis should be the favorite, especially after the Costume Designers Guild and BAFTA wins. However, Ruthie Carter has gotten more awards, albeit less prestigious ones, but more nonetheless. She has won already for the first Black Panther movie, so winning again for the second one seems a little out of place. Her betting line right now is plus 200, which is an implied probability of 33%, less than Ben's prediction of 43.1%. That's a difference of nearly 10%, so it shouldn't be ignored, but tread carefully. The fourth highest probability given, it's also greater than the implied probability. Hey, how many times can I say probability in this podcast? Uh, Probability, probability. Is Mandy Walker for best cinematography for shooting Elvis. Mandy Walker became the first woman to win the American Society of Cinematographers, ASC for short, awards, and is only the third woman nominated in Oscar history and will become the first winner if she beats James Friend of All Quiet, the heavy favorite. Mandy's Walker's line has moved closer and closer to even as time has gone by, and at plus 600, I was very tempted to take it, but I didn't have Ben's model. Now it's at plus 300 following her ASC win. 
And that's still enough to offer value since Ben's actual probability is 27.9% compared to the implied probability of 25%. Those are the top four actual probabilities versus the implied probabilities. There are 17 more, 17, you heard that right, more, where the actual probability is not only greater than the implied probability, but also greater than 10% chance of winning. I am strongly considering each of these, even if I don't formally pull the trigger. Also, all of these have an actual probability of more than 10%, but also less than 20% with two exceptions. Argentina 1985 at plus 700, when Ben's model has it at 24.3% chance of winning, obviously on the strength of the Golden Globe win. And the song Lift Me Up, Rihanna from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever at plus 400, which is nearly equal to Ben's actual probability of 20.1% instead of the implied probability of 20%. Again, these are merely value picks, and you're only expected to hit around 3 out of 20, so tread carefully here. Then again, if you hit one that's at plus 2,500, ah, you've paid for the rest of the bets. All right. In order of difference between actual and implied probabilities, here they are, and these will surprise you. I just have to remind you, the actual probability of these happening hovers around 15%, so tread lightly. Anyway, original score, Carter Burwell of the Banshees of Inisharan is at plus 2,500. Elvis Sound is at plus 1,600. Argentina 1985 at plus 700. Editing for Elvis for Jonathan Redmond and Matt Villa plus 2,500. Directing Martin McDonough, The Banshees of Inisharan, is at plus 2,200. The documentary, both All the Beauty and the Bloodshed at plus 1,000 and All That Breathes at plus 2,500. Directing Todd Field of Tar at plus 2,200. John Williams, maybe uh, he'll win for the Fablemans. That's paying at plus 800. For makeup, both the Batman and Black Panther Wakanda Forever are at plus 2,500. Mary Zoffries of Babylon for best costume design, plus 2,500. Original score, Sun Lux, Ryan Lott, everything, everywhere, all at once is at plus 1,500. Colin Farrell, best actor. Ah, Many consider it's a two-horse race, but according to Ben's model, Colin Farrell is offering good value for the Banshees of Inisharan at plus 1,200. Supporting actor, Barry Keehan, the Banshees of Inisharan at plus 1,200 as well. And lastly, Lady Gaga, Hold My Hand, Top Gun Maverick, winning Best Original Song is paying at plus 500. So each of those are roughly 10 to 20%. If you hit on one, it might pay for everything else, but just know there are heavy favorites in each of those categories, so tread lightly. Let's talk about some predictions for the 95th Academy Awards. And I want it on the record that I went 23 for 23. So uh, here we go. Each category, I will tell you who will win, whom I think should win if I was a voter, and who might win instead of the one I'm officially predicting. So let's get to it. The shorts categories are always hard to predict, but I am confident that in documentary short, the Elephant Whispers will win and should win. It has the right balance of heart, humor, and subject matter without being too much of a bummer. If not the Elephant Whispers, Stranger at the Gate could play spoiler. In animated short, I'm predicting the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse to win. What should win and 
could win if boy mole fox horse doesn't is an ostrich told me the world is fake and i think i believe it in live action short an irish goodbye will win and should win Lape Appeal is second in line, if not an Irish goodbye. Best makeup and hairstyling will, and should, go to The Whale for its extensive use of prosthetics and because it got the Best Special Effects Makeup Award at the Makeup and Hairstyling Guild Awards. If not The Whale, it'll go to Elvis, who got two of those wins. Catherine Martin of Elvis will win Best Costume Design. Jenny Beaven of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris should win, but if Catherine Martin's name doesn't get called, Ruthie Carter is going to win. Although Catherine Martin is a triple nominee, one of which is for Best Production Design, the win in this category will go to the other Martin, Florencia Martin of Babylon, as it should. But rest assured that a Martin, either Florencia or Catherine, will win here. In Best Editing, Top Gun Maverick will take another Oscar win when Eddie Hamilton will earn his Oscar as he should. Paul Rogers is next in line here, and if Paul Rogers does end up winning for editing everything everywhere all at once, you might as well ink in everything everywhere as the best picture winner. Claudio Miranda will win best cinematography. Uh, What's that? He wasn't nominated for shooting Top Gun Maverick. Well, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Okay. It'll be James friend for all quiet on the Western front. He should win, but Mandy Walker of Elvis could play spoiler here. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio will win best animated feature, but don't sleep on Marcel the show with shoes on. Either of these should win, but I would have voted for Marcel despite being a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. Finally, 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 we'll get a stop-motion animated film winning this category. All Quiet on the Western Front will win international feature. It should win. And Close barely has a chance, 29.7%, if uh, you were listening earlier, while the other out nominees really don't have much of a chance against All Quiet on the Western Front. Navalny will win Best Documentary. My personal preference is Fire of Love, and it wouldn't surprise me too much if Fire of Love got its names called. Best Supporting Actor is going to... Come on. Kiwi Kwan. No contest. If by some fluke he doesn't, the only other name here would be Brendan Gleeson. Best Supporting Actress is fairly wide open, but Jamie Lee Curtis has the edge for winning, as she should, for me. Gary Condon is likely second and head of... Angela Bassett, though. I know Angela Bassett is the favorite, but the Marvel bias, the sequel bias, I think Angela Bassett is actually in third place here. Best actor is going to Brendan Fraser, and nowhere during the season did I think otherwise. He should win, too. However, the biopic bias favors Austin Butler, if not Fraser. Best actress is Michelle Yeoh, as I think the Oscars will perfectly match the SAG Awards. Kate Blanchett is the other one, while Anna de Armas, Andre Riseborough, and Michelle Williams have no shot. Best Adapted Screenplay will go to Sarah Pauly, and probably should. Although, don't be surprised if Edvard Berger, Ian Stokel, and Leslie Patterson wins for pinning All Quiet on the Western Front. I, can they both tie? Can they both be should wins? Uh, the tie goes to Sarah Pauly's women talking. Best Original Screenplay belongs to Martin McDonough. But the Everything Everywhere Love could mean Daniels win this one, too. I'm happy with either of these. Again, can they both be should wins? Best director is Daniels. They should win, and everyone else is in second place. However, Steven Spielberg is the consensus number two. I disagree with that. If it's not Daniels, it's Martin McDonough. And finally, best picture is a no-brainer. Come on. 
everything everywhere all at once is going to win. All caught on the Western Front could be the surprise pick here, especially after their BAFTA win, but it's everything everywhere is time to shine. Lock those picks in for your Oscar pool if you're doing it. I'm confident. I'm confident I'm going 23 for 23. Next podcast, though, I promise to do a postmortem and own up to my misses. For best original song, RRR's Natu Natu, written by M.M. Kiravani and Chandra Bose, will win and should win, since it's really the only song to be featured within the plot line of the film, something that is very important to me if I was an Oscar voter. If not that, Black Panther Wakanda Forever's Lift Me Up, written by Rihanna, Thames, Ryan Coogler, and Ludwig Gornson, is next up. Best original score belongs to Justin Hurwitz for his work on Babylon. Honestly, that should win. Although, Houchka for All Quiet on the Western Front is a close second for me, and a more distant second if Hurwitz doesn't take it. Best visual effects is Avatar The Way of Water. Duh, right? I'm, it should also win. If it's not Avatar, just... Nah, well, just kidding. No other film has a shot here. Best sound will go to Top Gun Maverick, as it should. If there's a surprise, the surprise will be all quiet on the Western. Turn on notifications for future episodes of this podcast. Next one will be a postmortem on my predictions, a little Oscars recap, and I reveal the all-fantasy teams. This is John with Red Carpet Rosters Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>